0: Come join the conversation, the show that you've been wanting. Keep it real with no filter. Weekly we share discussions, WWSD. Interviewing creative guests, talking the creative process and sharing all the influences from TV and film, Emmy nominated and winning. Yeah, they are coming through actors and comedians too. Directors and writers, way more than a few masters of their craft. Yes, tune in, you gotta see. This the podcast that you need, WWSD.
1: Welcome to the WWSD Podcast. Weekly, we share discussions with interesting and creative people. We are sponsored by Collectors Maze. You can check them out at CollectorsMaze.com for all things related to fandom. I'm your host, Josh, and as always, I'm joined by my buddy and co-host, Seamus. How's it going, Seamus? It's going great, man. How are you doing? I'm doing well. So who do we have on tonight? Uh, Tonight, we have a very special guest. We are joined by stand-up comedian and fellow podcaster, Stephen White. Steve is the host of the very funny podcast, My Black Friends Podcast. Stephen, it's a pleasure having you on the podcast tonight. How's it going? It's going good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah we really do. Yeah. So you, uh, you, you've got a pretty interesting story. You um, you kind of started out as like an entrepreneur, right? As a, as a freelance writer.
0: Yeah, that was my, my start. That's where I got, you know, my money at
1: first. <laughs> <laughs> Did you start doing that right out of high school?
0: Uh, So I started right um, after I dropped out of college, actually. okay. I had a mark. I was studying marketing. Um, Things weren't really panning out in terms of me being able to afford college. So uh, I ended up switching over to uh, freelance writing. But uh, the story of how I ended up there was actually pretty interesting. Uh, I ended up meeting this guy and that was the first time I'd heard a podcast. This guy, he, he told me he had a podcast he was working on. And he needed someone to write blog posts for his website. And I talked to him about it. And he said, hey, do you want to write these blogs for me for free? And uh, I did it. I did one blog post. And after four hours of work, I realized, damn, I could have been paid for this probably. (laughs) Like, this has to be (laughs) worth some money. So I ended up not giving him the blog post. I posted it
1: on my own website. And I started looking for writing work right after that. Like So you, t- you took the article and you posted on your website. Were you generating ad revenue at the time?
0: Uh, so I wasn't generating revenue through ads. I was actually okay. um, looking for freelance work using those blog posts as samples, actually. Okay. So I created a blog where I posted a bunch of content that I could just send out to people. And then they would see, oh, this guy's a good writer. Uh, maybe I'll have him write some stuff for my blog. And uh, that's really how I got my start.
1: And so you were uh, you were supporting yourself doing that for a while, right?
0: It started off rough. You know, the first blog post I wrote was about 4000 words for $15 uh, took me yeah. took me 12 hours. <laughs> um, <laughs> but beyond that, uh, I'd say it took me maybe five months to really start making money. And uh, yeah, with that yeah. money, I was able to you know make bigger moves.
1: So what was that what Was that first big move you made after you started making a little bit of money?
0: The first big move I made was going straight to Bangkok, Thailand. And I, <laughs> and I wasn't making that much money. Don't get me wrong. I, was def- I only had about $500 in my account after I bought the plane ticket. And I was like, this is enough. I'm getting out of here. <laughs> what, what made you want to go to Thailand? Well, you see, there was this interesting movement going on. It was called the uh, Digital Nomad Movement. I don't know if you guys oh, ever yeah. heard of it. But um, that really, I really caught the digital nomad bug. So I really wanted to see what it was like to travel the world and work online. And what I ended up doing was going to Bangkok. And my plan was to move up to Chiang Mai because they called that the uh, digital nomad capital of the world, actually. And that's in that's in Thailand too. If you don't know, I never made it to Chiang Mai because <laughs> I ended up getting a girlfriend in Bangkok. And you know, priorities for a man—that's pretty much how it goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: And then in um in Thailand. That was that was where you started comedy, correct? Yeah, that's
0: where I started comedy. So I switched from freelancing to comedy around I want to say 2018, 2017, something like that. Okay. So what, what made you wanna to, wanna to make that switch? Yeah, I was interested in moving to comedy because I'd always had a dream of being a comedian and I'd always been told that I was funny. I was good at speaking and uh handling crowds and you know having public conversations and shit like that. What really got me interested was I saw this advertisement for a comedy show in Bangkok. It turns out when I showed up to the show, the guy that ran the show went to the same university as me, which was insane. (laughs) Like The smallest fucking world. (laughs) Right. It's insane. He grew up just like 20 minutes away from me. I'm all the way across the world. And I find out that there's this half Thai, half American guy that's uh, running open mics and performing at shows in Bangkok. That and he grew up right by me. It's it's just it was so ridiculous. I was like, okay, if he can do it, I gotta start trying it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome, man. So so what what was it like that first time that you went up? Uh, the first time I went up was honestly it went really well. Inside, it didn't feel so good though. I'll definitely <laughs> say that on the inside, my feet, my my heart had butterflies. I was kind of scared, kind of shocked, kind of afraid, but at the same time the room was so welcoming that it was easy for me to just, you know, fit in and, you know, let things flow out.
1: Now, do you have a performing background? Like, did you do uh, performance art in high school and middle school and stuff like that?
0: I was a singer. I mean, I okay. was in choir for about 10 oh, years. Okay. I was definitely used to standing on stage. I had a lot of solos, things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, my voice is definitely gone by now. I cannot sing anymore. <laughs>
1: you can't sing anymore?
0: Yeah, I had that puberty, you know, that prepubescent voice. That was me.
1: Yeah. <laughs> 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 And what was like some of your material that you prepare anything or were you just telling stories? Well, so I've always had a knack. Uh,
0: well not a knack, but I, I've had this thing. I have Well, it's not even a thing. I have a huge ass. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's a thing or not, but I just have a massive for a man. My ass is absurdly large. So I really nailed in on the ass jokes. My name's Steven White. So, you know, I got to talk about that. I think maybe there was an N-word joke in there somewhere. That was just a shocker, you know, to really seal the deal.
1: <laughs> let our audience know that you're black. Yeah,
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> like, hey, don't let this name get you fooled, buddy.
1: <laughs> so, so the actual audience, they, did they speak mostly English, or were they tourists? Like, I would assume people from Thailand would not be into our type of humor. No. Yeah. Not even
0: close. I mean, in Thailand, the type of humor they're into is like a guy falling down and then a fart sound plays really loud. Like that's Thai. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, so she is a stuff humor. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but no, so the Thai people didn't usually show up unless they were English speaking like most um, for the most part, you know, you wouldn't really see Thai people unless it was someone's girlfriend or boyfriend every now and then. Usually it was tourists or expats. I don't know if you guys, expats are just people that have left their home country to live abroad. Um, And Thailand has a huge expat community. Like I was saying, digital nomads, people that work online and travel. Like there were so many of those types of people, people working online. And there were also a lot of people that were teachers because people in Bangkok, you know, it's a big city. It's industrial, commercialized. They want them to know English so that they can, you know, get jobs and stuff like that. So there's tons of English teachers uh, so we just performed for them. No you, there's no Asian people in the audience.
1: <laughs> what, did that surprise you at all? Like were you
0: expected like more? Yeah, absolutely. It was it was confusing. I mean, but it was definitely good. I prefer it that way. I mean, I did I don't <laughs> I didn't want to learn how to be funny to people that don't speak English. <laughs> you know. <laughs>
1: Is that kind of common? Can you can you kind of go about your day and mostly be around expats and like Westerners? If you structure
0: your life properly, like if, if you don't, I mean, for me, I wasn't working as a teacher. I was a freelancer. So I had my girlfriend and then I would just go to places where people spoke English. I wouldn't go anywhere else really until I started getting really into the culture. But that took a while.
1: Was your girlfriend a, a local or was she a, uh, yeah. gotcha? Yeah, she had the, the fire. She had the fire in her heart, man. Did you meet her parents or anything? Uh, I met her
0: dad one time, but he didn't know that I was dating her. Because if he did, he probably would have killed me. Or something. <laughs> she, he came to deliver some food. <laughs>
1: like is interracial dating like an issue over there
0: you'll get some looks especially if you're black <laughs>
1: like yeah, yeah because <laughs>
0: over there they have africans and you know my girlfriend would say things like oh at least you're not african and i'll oh, be like geez. oh ah thank you
1: <laughs> I'd be like, oh, i mean? guess that's
0: a co- <laughs> guess that's a compliment shit i mean
1: <laughs> i guess i i guess i aged out of that one i guess they're, but, they're uh, even saying one of the good ones over there yeah
0: <laughs> exactly
1: yeah <laughs> yeah
0: Yeah, no, but they they like interracial dating as long as you're dating. If the Thai person is dating somebody that's going to, like, take care of their whole family, they're like, hey good job you really did it but if they're dating somebody that's just like you know a freelancing black dude then it's a lot more like ah oh, you, you kind of fucked this one up huh? <laughs> <laughs> but you giving the pussy up for that <laughs> come
1: on <laughs> so when, when she introduced you to her father was she like talking a lot in her native tongue I mean, you're just like no she's just talking like or like he's asking like questions like who the fuck is this guy and she's yeah. just <laughs> like oh he's just a friend
0: he's just a friend i swear Yeah, I'm sure that's what the conversation was, because I was sitting pretty close to her when he walked in and she seemed kind of surprised by that. (laughs) So (laughs) I I feel like she was just covering it up and making sure he didn't know, because um, I met her actually at the first hostel I stayed at in Thailand. That was where we were at. So he just randomly showed up because she was working there. It was her job. I poached her.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So how long were you actually in Thailand for? I was there for about three and a half years. Oh, wow. Close to four. Yeah, a wow. long time. You were doing freelance work the entire time? <laughs> I was doing freelance
0: and comedy. So uh, there was a comedy club that ended up opening up on Calson Road. This place, Kalsan Road. It's like one of the biggest, most visited tourist spots in the world. While I was there, there was this big guy named John Sampson. He opened up a comedy club. There were some other comedy clubs around, but he opened up one that was able to run seven nights a week. So we ran every single day of the week. And uh, he effectively took me in as, like, his manager. Like, I was pretty much managing the whole club. He was doing, like, the main, the front-end business stuff, like, you know, going out to get people to come in. The only way we would get customers is by standing outside and passing out flyers, honestly. So that was a real hectic time. You know, there's 20,000 people on this street at any given moment. So most of them are Asian, granted. So, you know, it's like sorting out and just finding the Australian, you know, the Englishman, the Canadian, (laughs) Right. Any white face you see, you try to give them a flyer pretty much.
1: <laughs> yeah. You said did, did you just mention you were expelled. Yeah, yes, I was. I was ex-
0: yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I didn't want to just throw that in. But
1: <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> was, it, was it a visa issue or
0: uh, so I, you could call it a visa issue. I just had
1: <laughs> I uh, I
0: had maybe too many visas in a row. That's how I would put it, because you're only supposed to stay there for three months and. I would basically go in, stay for a couple months and then leave and then come back in, you know, the, a day later and get a new visa. And then eventually they got tired of me doing that. So they caught me at the airport and they said, all right, we're going to put you in this little room with a bunch of other people that did the same thing. And then you're, we're going to make you go back to the country you came from. Oh, um, wow. the, first, the first time that was Malaysia, but the second time I had to go back to America.
1: <laughs> okay. Did, did, you, did you have to leave any of your stuff behind?
0: I had to leave all of my stuff behind. Oh, <laughs> they don't even let you in the country. They like they will not
1: let you back in to get anything. Oh wow. Was, were you expecting to like be expelled? Like were you kinda of always prepared for it or never had like, uh, a duffel bag packed? I guess deep down when you're living that
0: dangerous life like me, you know, you're kind of always <laughs> expecting it. Like you're waiting for someone to fuck you over. Like when no one speaks your language, you're kind of always waiting to get fucked over in some way or another. You know, <laughs> like like taxi drivers, you know, government workers, airport workers, all of them probably have something against you. So I was waiting for it. So I, I had a contingency plan because I was living in a hotel above the comedy club mm-hmm. and uh, there was another comedian living there with me. So he took care of all my stuff. He put it in his room. Obviously, I didn't pay my rent for the next couple of months, but I ended up coming back about three months later, four months later.
1: Okay. Okay. Were, were you still with your girlfriend at that
0: time? Oh no, 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 no. I broke okay. up, but yeah, comedy and girlfriends don't really go together.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a hard <laughs> lifestyle. Yeah,
0: like I was, I was doing comedy seven days
1: a week. So, so you you spent the three year, three was four years uh, doing stand up in, in Thailand. Like, how did your set develop from like the your first night to like your last night, more or less? massively. I want to yeah. say that I've probably been on stage for a total of 100
0: hours, you know, okay. after five or 600 shows, just being able to do that much comedy in a condensed period of time, it allowed me to do things that I feel like a lot of comedians don't really have opportunity to do. You know, I was able to take a couple stories and really explore them, you know, through the medium. My style developed. I learned how to tell a story without you know, providing too much information. Um, I learned how to work audiences from all over the world. You know, I was seeing audience members from like, you know, random parts of Europe, Scandinavia. I had Scandinavian, Swedish, random German. Uh, I remember, <laughs> I don't know if you got a chance to see any of my comedy, but I had this one bit where, you know, my name's Stephen White and I just had this whole long drawn out process where I would get them to to, basically I'd get them to scream white power. And uh, and I got this, I got this black German guy to do it one time. And I want to say that was literally like the highlight of my entire career. <laughs> you know? What was
1: that? How did he react to
0: that when he like realized what happened? Uh, he was, he, he doubled down actually. He doubled down. <laughs> yeah. He doubled down. It's just the funniest possible outcome. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. He turned around and then he started screaming it at the audience actually. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah. So, what? Uh, where are
1: you living now? I'm living in Chicago. Back okay, home, cool. born and raised
0: here. Cool.
1: Yeah. yeah for some reason, like we we're talking, like I-, I think you're from Chicago. You see, like a Chicago guy, and yeah, it's funny that <laughs> you're, you're from Chicago. It's yeah. awesome. It's one of my favorite places. How about you guys? We're actually from South Florida, Fort South Myers, Florida. Florida.
0: Yeah. Okay. I've been down there. I haven't been to Fort Myers, but I've been to Florida a couple times. I'd hope to do some stand up down there. I mean, I hear that they got some pretty wild, it's pretty zany crowds.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's uh there's a lot of old people it's either old people or like a lot of young people. It's like, it's like one, yeah. or the, one or the other, depending on what show, if you go to the early shows to be old, old people. And then the later shows will be younger people. But yeah. <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's a, there's a pretty cool club down in Naples, uh, which is pretty close to us, like off the hook down there. We've seen some big acts come through. Yeah, yeah, especially during like COVID. Like the the acts that we were getting, because like all I don't know about like how Chicago was. I'm pretty sure you guys had pretty decent lockdowns, but like Mm -hmm. Florida had no lockdowns during COVID. Like it was like a two week stint, and then like after those two weeks, everything was back open again. And like all the comedians were like pretty much coming here or Texas or like Phoenix, Arizona, and and it was just like they can just hit all the clubs in Florida, and they're just doing these circuits and also we're getting like all these insane like massive names. There's a three week stay. Like we had Jim Brewer come through Cedric, the entertainer, Bruce, Bruce. Like there's like a lot of, Oh people. yeah. I love Bruce. It was, Bruce. It was pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Me too. <laughs> you So you guys watch a lot of stand-up, like live standup. Yeah. Not as much live, but like we're, we're definitely comedy fans. Yeah. I, I usually, I usually try to see like one to two shows a year. At least uh, my brother, his big thing for Christmas, he usually gets all, all of his brother's like comedy tickets, like a big headliner. And so we, we've been doing that for years. And then we, I usually try to see a couple other shows here and there, but.
0: Who was uh Who was this year's? I wanted to see Tim Dillon this year, but well, this year was, I was love Tim
1: Dillon. Love Tim Yeah, Dillon. We, we didn't go this year, but last year uh, it was uh the puppet guy Jeff Dunham. Jeff Dunham, really? Yeah, wow, I, I'm surprised he's still kicking. <laughs> yeah. he still have?
0: Does he still have the uh the mildly offensive dead Arab guy? <laughs> yes.
1: Yes. It's actually funny. Uh, I, I never like, I see him stand up on TV and like on Netflix and stuff, and it's pretty tame, and pretty mild. But like his in person stand up is very filthy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. When he dropped his first f bomb, I was like, "Are you fucking serious? What? I've never heard this guy curse in my life." And he was like, just <laughs> going into it, and I was like, "Who is this guy?" I was, was odd. That's that's cool. I didn't know that. I, I thought he was just a, I thought yeah. he was a clean guy. Yeah, I, th- I thought he was going to be clean because uh, that's like his Netflix specials and shit are, are usually fairly tame and all. But
0: yeah, j- just from a stand up perspective, I would imagine that Jeff Dunham would be like one of the cleanest comedians possible. He has. Right. Problems, but I guess you got to <laughs> balance it out.
1: Yeah, and yeah. he's not the only one. I saw uh, a fluffy and all uh, around the same time, and his, his stand up is a lot dirtier than his specials as well. Oh, I know about him. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've seen him on enough podcasts to know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but then like like uh, I think before that, I saw Kevin Hart, and Kevin Hart was awesome. Like he, he, was, he was so good. Kevin Hart was absolutely insane. So, uh, what's the the scene like in Chicago right now?
0: Oh, the scene in Chicago is popping off, man. There's definitely a lot of open mics available. I'd say every night of the week, you got at least three mics. Are you still getting up regularly? And uh, I've been working on it. I just got my license. You know, recently I just got a new license from after being in Thailand for so long. So I was dependent on other people for rides for a pretty long time. Now I'm driving, so I can do as many shows as I please. Now's the time, but it was very slow for a couple months. Definitely. How long have you been back in the uh, states? I've been back for a year and oh, a okay. half. Yeah. Yeah. Year and a half, actually. But there was pretty much no option to get on stage until probably three months ago. (laughs) Okay, Yeah. Yeah. So were you in Thailand during like COVID and all that? Oh yeah, I was in Thailand right when COVID started. <laughs> I was in Thailand for the first wave, as I call it. What yeah. was that like? It was horrendous. It was literally one of the <laughs> worst periods of my entire life. <laughs> it couldn't have been worse. <laughs> I yeah, I had to go to rehab after that shit. <laughs> I, had to, I had to get mental. I had to get mental rehabilitation after that. <laughs> literally. <laughs> Did they have lockdowns in Thailand? Uh, they had lockdowns. Yeah, they locked down probably starting in February. Actually, I ran a, a show day before the lockdown in thailand uh, it was called masks off <laughs> the masks off show and i had a chinese headliner for it it was great locked down i got covid probably on february 12th i think it was february 12th of 2020 yeah yeah i got i got covid pretty early and like i remember i was on this street because i lived on that massive tourist street that i was working mm. on it's just like people are dying and shit. Like, they're like, oh, yeah, a maid at the hotel down the street died of COVID. And I'm like, oh, oh my God, this isn't good. <laughs> and, you, and you
1: had it. You were like,
0: yeah, were you scared? I was definitely scared. But, you know, it wasn't any I was thinking like, well, you know, I've done a lot of blow. So it's probably the same risk level as doing <laughs> blow, you <I> like, <laughs> know, like doing Thai blow where it's mostly ketamine.
1: Yeah, probably the same. No, level Jesus. Of risk. What's what's uh, what's that like? uh horrible but like also ketamine kind of ketamine can kind of take you to different places
0: yeah it, it it's okay i'd say it's not the funniest of drugs uh unless <laughs> unless you're watching somebody do yeah. it when you see <laughs> somebody on it
1: so it's like you yeah. you want to you want to take some cocaine and go to hell <laughs> <laughs> yeah so pretty, much. <laughs> That's pretty much
0: how it is yeah. yeah dude i remember um one time we actually because i was kind of selling drugs too we sold this guy some some cocaine, some of that cocaine. yeah good shit we sold him some of that i remember he literally spent the whole night just covering my friend's room and vomit like, oh. <laughs> like just non-stop projectile vomiting everywhere and then we're like well we can't really send this guy outside because we sold him these drugs so yeah it was just a bad night in general
1: that's gotta it's gotta be crazy because it's like it's like the ketamine is just like putting you out and that cocaine is just like making you want to be an entrepreneur right it just just makes you feel like a lazy fuck like
0: right bro that was funny as fuck
1: Okay. Yeah. How'd you get into the drug trade in in Thailand? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, you
0: see, here's the thing. When you're in Thailand and you need drugs, you got to find a dealer, right? And then Mm -hmm. that dealer, he'll give you drugs. And then, so I was working at a comedy club. So everybody's hitting me like, hey, do you have some drugs? Because this is the only English speaking establishment, you know, in the entire street. So obviously they would always come to us. And there's just something about comedy clubs and drugs, it's like a thing, apparently. Like people expect to find drug dealers at the comedy club Uh, tracks. One of my friends, yeah, one of my friends was (laughs) selling. I wasn't necessarily a drug dealer, but I was more like aiding and abetting drug dealing. You you knew the people. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And like over there, weed is like a, you're getting 10 years in jail kind of, you know, having weed is like 10 years in jail kind of crime. Wow. And, uh, and just to say Jail over there Is also like 20 dudes in one room With a hole in the floor I would not want to go to jail
1: In Thailand <laughs> Oh my yeah. god <laughs> Yeah
0: Like and then they just Hit you with sticks
1: They definitely don't Speak English yeah. <laughs> What's the punishment for cocaine?
0: Probably death. <laughs> if I had to
1: guess.
0: <laughs> yeah, if I had to guess, it's probably it,
1: death. It's weird. Like I always feel like Thailand's like this big party place and all, and I thought like drugs were relatively like recreational over there and all. Well,
0: that's the thing over over there. Drugs are recreational. They can be sold, um, not legally, but with the blessing of the police. And to purchase a blessing costs you about a thousand dollars. You know. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I guess if you're caught with drugs in Thailand, you can usually get off with a bribe.
1: That's pretty much how it feels. Gotcha. So there's just a little bit of corruption to protect you.
0: Yeah, just a slight layer of it. You know, not all cops are willing to do that. but uh, And I've never actually had to pay a bribe personally because I'm a good drug dealer, probably because I'm black. You know, so I knew <laughs> the game. I think I think it was in my blood. But I definitely met a lot of people who had been like, you know, fr- like they would or people that bought weed from me. People would buy weed from me and then immediately get caught by the cops. I know that sounds kind of sketchy, but no, I didn't set them up.
1: <laughs> well, you never got caught. You're working with the cops, right? You demand a sacrifice, right? <laughs> yeah, I select this nigga as tribute, basically. <laughs> so you also said you're in uh, Vietnam and uh, Malaysia. Like, were you just traveling between those areas and uh, Thailand, or did you spend like actual stints in those country in those places? Uh, I'd say
0: I spent a total of probably three months in Malaysia and probably two okay. months in Vietnam. There's a vibrant comedy scene out in um, in Asia, you know, Thailand, Vietnam, Malaysia. I know, you know, there's not really that many people doing comedy out there, but the people that are doing it, they're really good. You know, like um, Vietnam, not that many English speaking comics, but there's this guy, his name's Dan Dockery. He runs a place called Standing Bar. Um, I did a couple shows there, and it was just so nice that I was like, you know what, I'm gonna stick around for about a couple weeks, and then just scope out the scene. And we did this tour that was um, eight shows in eight days, so we hit eight different venues. Uh, sorry, seven seven different venues, and did eight different shows uh, over the course of like a week and
1: another in a day. In Ma- in Malaysia, the uh, the penalties for drugs is is death, right?
0: Yes, yeah. Malaysia doesn't fuck around.
1: Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah that guy doesn't fuck around they have a they have a really uh nice society there it's because they kill everybody that makes a makes a problem <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's that's crazy
0: that seamus knows his foreign policy <laughs> specifically related to drugs
1: it's supposedly like one of the happiest countries too but like uh you know they you you die if you get high so yeah well there's definitely people getting high over there
0: it's 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 the same you know when when you're in the third world effectively, like Malaysia is not completely the third world, of course, but there are some third world aspects to it. I'd say corruption is everywhere. So, you know, I feel like if you're there, there's a chance someone's going to plant some drugs on you. And then there's probably a chance that you can get off with some drugs too, but I wouldn't take the risk. I didn't fuck around in Malaysia because I'm not trying to get killed. (laughs) Yeah. Did you perform any, anywhere else in Asia while you were over there? Performed in Vietnam. I performed in Malaysia, Bangkok, I think that's actually it for Asia. I I performed in two spots. I performed in uh, Saigon and Hanoi and then in Malaysia I performed in Kuala Lumpur, which is the ha- the capital. Comedy's not too big in all of Asia, but there's a scene in China, there's a scene in Japan. There's there's a huge scene in Japan and uh Hong Kong, you can get on mic in Indonesia. There's an English speaking stand-up scene pretty much everywhere, honestly.
1: You're performing for all the English-speaking crowds in each all of these places.
0: Yeah, I did one Thai-speaking show. So I knew enough Thai to get around, right? <laughs> and I had this, uh, the guy that ran the comedy club, he was actually known as a uh, famous Thai comedian. So he's a big white guy from Boston, big Jewish dude. And um, he learned Thai and he started doing comedy over there and... He got to a point of relative fame, like he was in Thai movies and shit, but uh, Thai movies don't pay like American movies. So he's like, you know, he's not making too much money, but Ong Bak. Uh, yeah, yeah <laughs> shit like that. <laughs> yeah. But like Ongbok Bak cut in half, you know, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> or if you've seen uh, the serpent on Netflix, he had like a three second appearance on that show too. He, yeah, pretty much. So he had me come to do one of his Thai shows. I got on stage and I'll tell you what the joke was. Right. So they had me get on stage and say, they, they. he looked at me and said, I dom, which means you're black.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All the Thai then, people <laughs> lost their shit.
0: Yeah, yeah, literally. They're like, Woo! <laughs> they're, like they're like fucking Muppets. <laughs> like, literally. It's true. Yeah. yeah. And then the response uh, my response to him is I dom paw, which is your father's black. And that was it. <laughs> yeah for thai comedy there's five people on stage there's music playing there's like you know whoopee cushions and shit it's a whole bunch
1: of nonsense really it's just ridiculous honestly the most ridiculous thing i've ever been a part of i can just see like walking in and you're seeing this like fucking ensemble of people you're like what the fuck (laughs) (laughs) it's like it's like the japanese game show like yeah yeah, that's what i imagine just like all over the place yeah. yeah, They're trying to do it
0: live, basically. And actually, you know, my my friend, he told me, the more people there are on stage, the funnier it is. And I'm like, really? That's just how it's like a metric. So the people that were in the cat let me tell you the cast, there was like this, this uh, musician. And then there was a black guy, which was me. Uh, there's a big fat guy. That was my, my boss. And uh, then there was a cross-eyed lady. There was a lady who was cross-eyed. There was like another guy playing the drums, but you know, the cross-eyed lady really threw me off. I was like, am I the equivalent of a cross-eyed lady? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, just like visually funny, nothing else.
1: <laughs> so, How are you actually like getting all these like shows? Was there like a booking agency in Thailand and throughout the uh, Asia? Or were you just like knowing people?
0: Uh, mostly knowing people. It's not so much okay. a booking agency. You have to just network. It's honestly a hardcore networking. You have to be funny, of course. Uh, that's of a really course, big yeah. part of it. To have like a, a good clip to send around. But really, I was working, honestly, I was managing the most, I would say the most active comedy club in all of Asia. So through that, I met a lot of comedians, you know, people would come from around the world. We had people that have been on Netflix. I just met a lot of comedians through that job. Just the very nature of performing every night, I I developed a lot of like relationships with the comedians that were in that community. So it wasn't too hard to get booked. It was more so difficult to balance out the timing of shows with my... 7 days a week of doing comedy. Once you have access to 7 days a week of comedy, it's hard to turn it down ever.
1: So did you uh did you notice a difference in the crowds going from from over there back to America? Yes, absolutely. Say that
0: the crowds in Thailand are a lot they're a lot less PC, like they're a lot less yeah. uh they they don't give a fuck. They left their home country to hang out, like <laughs> you know, like they they are definitely not attached to some political cause or any kind of nonsense like that. They will listen to your jokes. Uh, The only thing I would say is that when I, as a black man, say the word nigga too much, it seemed like in Thailand, I got a lot more offense for it. Like people didn't like when I did that. Uh, But I I don't understand why. I can't really like pinpoint exactly why the fuck that was happening. But it seemed like you know the N word really offended white people in Thailand.
1: That's interesting. It made them uncomfortable or something.
0: Yeah, it just made them uncomfortable to hear it, like because they haven't heard it in so long. I'm sure, <laughs> or if they do hear it, it's probably from their racist ass friend.
1: <laughs> so yeah, because there's no noble African Americans in Thailand whatsoever. We're we're rare. Huh. And w- when you finally did come back to the states, how, how much of your 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 set? I mean, you've been working on it for for so many years. How much of it did you have to change to accommodate for like? US speaking people?
0: I would say not dramatically. It had to change a bit because certain references don't make sense anymore. I had a lot of jokes about how my big fat ass would always be wet with sweat. Uh, That one doesn't really work as much just for the pure shock factor. (laughs) This one, I'll just spoil the joke. I used to say, yeah, I have to have girls eat my ass for hygiene purposes now. And, (laughs) And yeah, that one doesn't really play as well in America, I guess. I'd say about 60% I can keep I had to keep 60% of it but I'm mostly writing new jokes now I don't even want to do those jokes anymore to be honest
1: was there a particular joke that you did that made you like remember that the people over here were a lot more pc oh the white power joke for sure the white power the the one where I got the whole
0: audience to scream white power that one does not work as well over here (laughs) because I can still get people to do it but it definitely pisses them off. <laughs> They're not happy when they find out what they've just done.
1: But it's still funny to me. I'm going to keep doing it regardless. I think it's hilarious. I think the fact that they get upset is, makes it funny. Yeah. Uh, would, you, would you go back in a heartbeat or are you kind of just done with that part of your life? I wouldn't say I'd go back in a
0: heartbeat. I think I would go back eventually, you know, just for fun. But I wouldn't live there again. No, it's too hectic. Okay. It's too much. It's stressful.
1: What was the things that you're missing the most when you actually lived in Thailand? Anything from the, the States or America?
0: Uh well, besides my family, I obviously <laughs> missed my family like a motherfucker. I missed food that was convenient and unhealthy, like conveniently unhealthy. Like they don't have taco bells and shit like that? Yeah, stuff like that. You know, like I, I would go out and, you know, spend a dollar to get, you know, some stir fry made right in front of me. But there's always just that desire to get a slice of pizza that has real cheese on it, <laughs> you know. Because they don't really even have cows in Thailand. Milk, dairy products are not a thing. Uh, You can get cheese, but it's absurdly expensive. And then all the pizza restaurants are basically like the Domino's equivalent. So being from Chicago, I never had access to good. I mean, the the pizza that I'd craved was nowhere to be found. (laughs) Like
1: nowhere. How was the food over there? Taking the fact that you are missing that out of the equation. Uh, Top tier. The food over there is amazing. It's truly
0: it's, it's hard for me to complain about food, but I, I mean, there's just those hometown delights, you know, those things you miss. The food in Thailand, uh, it's so complex. There's so many different flavors. There's so many different textures. There's so many different.
1: Yeah, textures is really big over there. Like They, they, yeah. they put stuff in food just for texture. Like mm-hmm. It doesn't do anything else besides add texture to it. It's so weird.
0: Yeah, like I put a they just put a little bit of grass in that shit just to make your make your lips tingle. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's 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 really cool. Uh, but it, I'd say that it's so simplistic that it rivals Indian food because Indian food is my favorite
1: food. I say Thai food's awesome. Have you had any Thai food over here that that is anything similar to what you had over there? Not even fucking close. It's literally not even
0: not nah, because I I feel like you know. I, I think that the Thai restaurants here usually have like Filipinos or Mexicans making the Thai food. So there's no way they would know
1: like the real flavor. <laughs> like they're just yeah. taking a guess. They're like, oh, well, this is what the recipe says. Yeah, let's just but, split, throw some lemongrass in there and make it spicy. Right. Is Thailand, like, similar, like, where each region has, like, different flavors and different, like, dishes? Like, because uh, I know, like, other countries, it's like that. Where like, It's like, like that in India, definitely. Yeah, like, like Indian foods is, like, a really big example of that, where each region is completely different than the next one. Was it similar like that in Thailand? Yeah. In Thailand, they
0: have, like, if you go up north, you're probably going to be eating bugs and chili peppers, just straight bugs and chili peppers. If you go towards the city, things get a little bit more civilized. You know, you're eating... Like uh noodles and soup and stuff. If you go down south, uh it's more oriented towards seafood and fish because obviously you're by the water. Cause there's different cultures of Thai people. Like there's even Thai people, they almost look black, you know, they're they're all the way in the south. They look like black people, literally. It's a lot more their food is just more potent, I'd say. Okay, more potent down there. Cause it's close to Malaysia. So
1: did you eat any insects? I've had all the insects, to be honest. <laughs> did you have that uh that duck embryo egg? Yeah, I've had that
0: one. Oh, I had really? that one in the Philippines, though. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah it's gross. It's it true. sounds it's disgusting. Gross.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're you're literally like chewing a like a fully almost fully formed baby duck, right? <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, that's the best way to describe it. That's it's exactly what it is.
1: <laughs> yeah, because before the bones hardened, right? Like you it's still like gelatinous. No, it's yeah, it's it's hard. You you crunch through. Oh, the okay. Bone. Yeah, there's well, there's some. Ju-
0: it's it's jelly, but then there's like a beak. You can like bite through the beak. There's a little bit of... I don't know. I had a lot of crunch in my experience. I don't know what the hell it was. And I spit it out. So, but I've eaten uh, as bugs go. I've had a roach. I've had a scorpion. I've had worms. I've had ants. Uh, The ants were the weirdest one, but it was more so the context of how I was given the ants. I was hanging out in, you know, a gay bar. Not gay, just at a gay bar. Happens sometimes. Uh, And uh, this guy, he was sitting next to me. And once again, I want to emphasize that I'm not gay. Uh, and then he off, he takes his fingers and he's holding a leaf. And then he takes the leaf and he holds it up to my mouth. And I'm like, you know what? A uh, random dude with a leaf. I'm going to try it out. So I take the, <laughs> I, I let him put his fingers in my mouth and feed me this leaf. And I chew into it. And it's literally full of ants. <laughs> it's like it's full of ants. And somehow I can tell they're ants because they have little legs all over them. And then he shows me the bag that he got it out of. And it's just a bag full of ants and ant eggs. And what he was doing is he was taking the ants and ant eggs and putting them on the leaves and then folding it up into little cubes and then feeding it to people that
1: were unsuspecting. Jeez. So, was, no. it, was, was it like a basil leaf? Uh, yeah, literally basil leaf. Yeah, yeah. that's what it was. How the fuck, you know it's a basil leaf. No, there's uh, th- 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 b- basil, th- th- thai, thai basil. Like, yeah. it's a it's a big plant over there.
0: Yeah, holy basil. Yeah, Thai holy basil. And uh, he sprinkled a little lemon juice on it. So, you know, it honestly, and it didn't taste that bad. I was just disturbed that I was eating ants. It was it wasn't bad.
1: I'm more disturbed that you just ate a leaf from a dude's hand. No questions asked.
0: (laughs) I didn't want to see what was going to happen if I said no to the bugs. Okay.
1: (laughs) I don't know if it's in Thailand, but like the grubs that are still alive and like moving around and in the chili sauce.
0: Yeah, Uh, well, I've never I've never had that, Uh, but it sounds like some freaky ass Thai shit. (laughs) I just instantly said yes I'm like yeah that sounds about right
1: when you first went over there though were you kind of reserved or did you just kind of fully embrace the culture it's like I'm gonna try everything I'm just gonna eat everything and, and do all that kind of stuff or did it take you a while
0: honestly when I went over there I was like on a really big mission to um like become someone new you know like I was trying to reinvent myself almost I was not afraid to eat I would eat everything that was offered to me and uh there were points where I thought I had an eyeball in my mouth and I was still like man I'm glad I made this decision (laughs) I'm really (laughs) happy I'm here yeah no I ate everything I was never afraid to eat I had like raw shrimp that was one that kind of concerned me because I'm like that's that's not that's not that's not how sushi
1: works
0: (laughs) (laughs) but uh and that one got me sick the raw shrimp definitely got me sick and I remember my girlfriend told me like it's fine there's no bacteria because they sprinkle it with the lime juice and
1: I'm like the lime juice <laughs> that kills the bacteria
0: <laughs> there's nothing else
1: <laughs> i think i think that helps but obviously there's something at what point did you start doing podcasting uh
0: started podcasting i want to say it was a year and a half
1: ago i had been trying to do a
0: podcast i was trying to get together podcasts while i was in thailand i had this project called the funny east where it was like i was trying to unite all of the comedians in you know malaysia vietnam and thailand I, I took too big of a step too fast. You know, I was, I, you can't really bring together people across country lines without already having an established base for yourself. So it was kind of a passion project. Uh, we filmed a couple podcasts. We did a couple live shows, but they're all gone now. Uh, so that was probably three and a half years ago that I did the first podcast for that. But since I've been regularly podcasting, uh, that's probably been since last year.
1: What was about podcasting that interests you so much.
0: Well, oh, I just love it. Podcasting changed my life because while I was in Thailand, you know, I had friends, but it's not like I could hang out with them all day. So was having podcasts available to listen to, it just made me realize how important of a medium it is. You know, it lets you learn, you can learn about the world, you can learn about people, you can even learn how to socialize through podcasts. So I felt like as a comedian, it's only natural for me to take my skills and learn how to transition them into a podcast because all i like doing is talking shit, you know, and why not just talk shit for an hour?
1: Yeah. Hell yeah. I love just like like, fucking around, you know what I'm saying? It's like, hell yeah. That's my type of guy. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody takes themselves too seriously. Like we could just like, it's, it ain't that serious. You know what I mean? We could just, just fuck around.
0: And personally I think that now if it's an option to just talk shit, have nobody tell you what to do. You don't have to like go to some radio office, you know, be a DJ. You don't have to have producers telling you what what you can say and what you can't say. You can just say something that you want to say. And if other people vibe with that shit, then you build an audience and you get paid. And in a world like that, I'm not doing anything else personally. That's just, you know, that's how I feel.
1: You just got to stay off Twitter. Right. (laughs) Uh, you You can't get canceled if you're not on Twitter, I think. And right, that's
0: how it works. Yeah, that's the yeah. We had we got to stay in the safety zone. This is like the <laughs> the tree, the tree when you're playing freeze tag or whatever. The safe zone. Right.
1: <laughs> For your actual podcast, uh, my black friends podcast.
0: How did that idea start? Like I was saying, being in Thailand, I didn't have access to any of my old black friends, honestly, <laughs> and I was dying. I was suffering so greatly having no black friends to hang out with. It's just something about being a black man. You have to have some it's like it's like we we feed on each other almost like i needed another black person to hang out with
1: i bet you were like jonesing for a good roast <laughs> yeah
0: yeah literally <laughs> like a nice a, a nice little flame session that would have been amazing <laughs> Like just heating each other or uh yeah just talking shit and uh, there's a certain way a certain lingo that's lost like you can talk to americans but if they're not african-american then you're never going to have the same experience every now and then uh african-americans would show up Like they'd come to the comedy club and then they would hang out. You know, sometimes they would have weed, like they would be like, Oh yeah, nigga, I brought this blunt on the plane, what's up? And I'd be like, Hell yeah, nigga. (laughs) It'd be amazing. (laughs) You know, stuff like that would happen, but it was rare. So it was always a treat. And basically I came up with my black friends because I wanted to have a way to, you know, like if there's other people that are traveling, like black people that are traveling, I want them to have a way to just hang out with the boy, you know, hang out with their black friends. You know, so that's pretty much the idea of the show to just give everyone, regardless of if they're black or white or whatever, you can you can hang out with your black friends through my black friends. I just want to build a community where that's the motto for it.
1: It's a, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah no thank you thanks for yeah, watching definitely man. recommend yeah, that. Definitely. it yeah it was it was a blast i'm glad our guest canceled on us just so we could watch it last week <laughs> 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 that's like the silver lining of it it's like all right at least we got to- the. a fucking yeah. uh, coney island video was wild man <laughs> oh yeah yeah coney island the dude's like skiing there's no snow on the floor but- <laughs> yeah oh shit
0: we we got some really crazy videos um i don't know if you guys have ever seen cake farts but that's one of my favorite clips (laughs) (laughs) no that sounds like uh sounds like fun we watch a lot of funny stuff so if anyone wants to check it out, is that my black podcast?
1: We'll link it all in the show notes. Don't worry about it. Okay. I got you. <laughs> yeah, I'll take care of you. And, and so how, how's the your podcast actually grown? I mean, you've been doing it for quite a while now. So, I mean, how, how did you like your episode one until like you're at now? Like how, how's that like changed over time? Oh, so I'd say it, it's really interesting. I didn't
0: expect doing a podcast to somehow be easy and hard at the same time. Like there's parts of it that are easy. Like the part where I just sit down and talk to my friends. That's obviously easy. That's the fun part, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but there's like this meta, you know, this meta engineering you have to do to get to a point where the show is, it's not only entertaining to you and your friends, but it's also going to be something that other people are going to be interested in and engaged in. So you have to think like, oh, do we have the right equipment? Oh, do we have our microphone Our microphone sound good? Uh, I hired an engineer to do like the audio mixing or whatever the hell it's called. I'm just slowly trying to turn it into something that has big potential. Like we, we're we going to start doing the show live uh, soon.
1: We're oh, gonna, cool.
0: Every week we're going to do a live broadcast, nice. uh, put it on all the platforms. But that's not for until next year because my buddy uh, Alonzo, he's off doing some training for a job.
1: Is that your co-host? Yeah, my co-host. So Is, is he a comedian also? Uh, he is working on it.
0: I'd say he's okay. a really funny guy, but he hasn't been on stage.
1: Yeah, he's funny as shit. <laughs> he see yeah, yeah. he seems pretty seems pretty funny. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He's he's never he's never been on stage, but I've been trying to convince him to to get up. I mean, he he said that he's willing to do it after he finishes this training. So, you know, I think he's finally got his balls must have dropped probably within the last two months. <laughs> yeah. But uh yeah, he's hilarious. He's he's one of my best black friends. Oh, cool. I've known him yeah. since high school. So that's, that's why we like cool, so well. Yeah. I saw that you guys also are like longtime friends, right? Yeah.
1: Middle school. Yeah. This is middle school. I'm I'm also thinking of trying comedy, but yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Give it a shot, man. I always say comedy is like, even if you're not going to do it for life, it's always a good idea to give it a shot because you never know. Maybe you get up there, you feel the butterflies disappear, and then you just get a rush, you know, like you enjoy it completely and then maybe you'll do it again. But if you never do it once, you'll never do it again. You know? Yeah. So that's my suggestion always
1: yeah no I'm, I'm really excited for Seamus to start doing comedy just just so he can say he did it and all this bucket lists you like knock it off. Mm-hmm. yeah he's been saying it for so long now at this point <laughs> i'm that i'm that guy just <laughs> no no just like if you're gonna do it just just do it and all yeah i, I mean a lot, a lot of comedians we talk to or even just people in general we talk to usually their words of advice would be like just do it like no you don't need to wait for permission you don't have to wait for something like say you can go ahead just just fucking do it dude yeah,
0: yeah. and honestly once you do it once once you do one open mic you're going to realize that Doing this podcast for how forty seven episodes, you know, you are already pretty funny, and also you've you've cracked me the fuck up during this podcast. So <laughs> I already know you can, you can definitely get on
1: stage. <laughs> uh, th- thanks, man. Thank you. Say <laughs> so, so. So speaking of comedy, uh, so so you mentioned Tim Dillon. Is is there anybody that's kind of like up and coming that you're that you got your eye on that you're enjoying like their work?
0: Up and coming. Oh
1: Theo Vaughn, easily Theo Vaughn yeah. is my favorite. I love Theo Vaughn. He's just
0: generally a good inspiration. Tom Segura, Theo Vaughn, Bobby Lee, love Bobby Lee, Hannibal Burris. I love all those guys. I met Hannibal Burris in Thailand one time. Oh yeah, Hannibal Burris showed up in Thailand on the Fourth of July. It he was, was a, he was crazy. studying Mai Thai over there, right? Uh, yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah, you saw the Joe Rogan episode. Yeah, he was talking yeah, about it? yeah. It's funny. It was crazy because like it was two years later that I saw that Joe Rogan, and I'm thinking like, wow he's <laughs> that's that's why he was there he totally like he only talked to me after the show and then he left immediately and he was not trying to hang out with us at all <laughs> i just assumed he was going to get some some pussy from for, for pay but yeah uh,
1: <laughs> he's got he's got money for it he's hilarious uh what about you guys Do you guys have like a top a top list of up-and-comers everybody you said it, I, I actually really enjoy I, I like tony hinchcliffe's uh podcast a lot i watch Kill i watch tony, Kill tony. yeah mm-hmm. i watch that i yeah, love week. it excellent as far as up and coming every time i get asked asked this question i can't think of anybody <laughs> i like mark Norman a lot oh yeah park Norman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah chris chris stefano is cool yeah i like chris de stefano Chrissy, Chrissy chaos yeah, chris yeah. De... <laughs> it's like I, I don't really listen to like a lot of like upcoming comedians until they get like more established i mean it's what i'm fucking up well on. it's hard to find them i like josh johnson a lot too mm, never heard is he he's that black guy Yeah is he like smaller yeah he's small he's got a bit about like feeling like he's an alien who took over a black person's body right yeah yeah, yeah. i've i haven't seen that bit but i know josh john i remember him he's, he's got a bit about like dick pics like he, he's collected so many dick pics he just sends them to different people and like because like, <laughs> like 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 uh like girls like give out his number instead of like their number and then he gets these dick pics and i don't wow. know wow <laughs> <laughs> is that a good problem to have <laughs> like dicks, just lots and lots of dicks lots of <laughs> dicks.
0: constant dicks i mean at least he could build up an immunity you know then if he ever sees a dick by surprise he's just like oh, i've seen it
1: yeah, yeah i've seen that yeah it's not scary we make an awesome coffee table book just <laughs> <laughs> a thousand dicks just dick pics <laughs> what about what about all-time favorites
0: all-time favorites obviously dave chappelle did you did you see the special? I haven't gotten to it yet. I'm waiting till I can watch it with some friends. I don't want to watch okay. it alone. I just want to. I want I want it to be because I I've, I've seen all the controversy now, so I'm like I want to make sure that this is the most
1: enjoyable. Like because I already know I'm gonna agree with them in every way, so it's like it, it's actually interesting. You want to watch it with friends because like something like that I would not want to watch with friends because like, they go laugh too much. I won't hear the shit, and that would just right. annoy me more because I want to hear like what the fuck he's saying instead of like is fucking oh. <laughs> You've got (laughs) you've got uh, you've got hearing issues. So I I understand that.
0: Yeah, I just need to dilute the experience as much as possible, because as a comedian, it's like if I watch a stand up special alone, I'm going to be like trying to break it down and shit and critique it. Yeah. Thinking about the science of the words. I'm not going to sit and enjoy it. But if I have my friends there as a buffer, you know, I I see I hear them laugh because like I don't even really like laugh out loud anymore when I watch stand up. I'm just like, oh, that was funny. and I think about like, damn, how can I be that funny? You know, <laughs> it's more like
1: a competitive thing at this point. I used to be a performing musician and like I couldn't really watch other people perform because I just wanted to be up there. You know what I mean? It's kind I of that uh, it's interesting, though, like when you watch a lot of comedy, you start to like be able to kind of tell what's coming. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you can kind of like tell like, oh, I, like like you, you you start being able to predict what the punchline it's that? Tr- it's that structure and all because you, you understand like, all right, this is the lead up. This is like we're going to like do the, the thing. I think a lot of people's premises are kind of common, too. But like every once in a while, there's something that that is uncommon. And then it that's that really hits me. And then, mm-hmm. I, then I laugh if I'm trying to do all the math to find out their formula before they land it and then
0: they manage to trick me anyway. I'm really yeah. impressed, usually like that usually <laughs> gets me. Yeah,
1: you uh, you, you still doing parkour? Oh my goodness, no! I <laughs> know
0: <laughs> you saw the parkour video. I, <laughs> <what> the fuck.
1: <laughs> yeah, Sheamus <laughs> goes deep on YouTube shit.
0: <laughs> Dude, everybody always roasts me about the parkour. <laughs> Bro, it's literally just me. If you guys haven't seen it, it's literally just me jumping up and down on a table and doing some rolling. It's man. Yeah, that was a really rough phase. I was actually homeless during that period of my life. I was leaving, I was living in my car and I was like, I gotta do some exercise, you know. So figured parkour was a place to start. (laughs) (laughs) You got you got robbed around that time too, right? In the park. Yeah, I got robbed. You know, this it it wasn't, you know, I, I wasn't like robbed at gunpoint or anything. It was more so that someone skimmed my card. So I had no money. I was in the pretty much bottom part of my life. I ended up putting my card into a a gas station pump. And uh, somebody skimmed it, and they took my last like two hundred dollars. and uh, yeah, then I ended up just kind of fucked. I was surviving off a of Gatorade and Nature Valley bars until Wells Fargo gave me a re well a refund, I guess is what they call uh, whatever they gave me my money back somehow
1: mm-hmm. yeah okay all right let's uh let's do a couple quick lightning round questions and then we'll, we'll wrap it up. and if you want to hang around, we'll do some uh, post show stuff. okay. that's Chicago food. Dogs, pizza, beef. Deep dish, dish easily. Deep dish, okay. Deep dish from Giordano's or Lou Malnati's. What's your uh, favorite dish from Thailand that you can't get
0: here? Uh, Definitely, it's called Kapow Mua. It's a beef. It's like a stir-fry holy basil with beef and really spicy. It's excellent. Stir-fried holy basil. You can get it here, but you would have to go to a really nice place, and they still probably wouldn't make it right.
1: (laughs) When you were... Uh, kicked out of Thailand what was like some of your first thoughts that were you like thinking about uh I
0: remember posting on Facebook like am I going to get fucked in prison (laughs) 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 because I was just sitting I was sitting in a fucking cell with a bunch of Burmese people and I didn't know what was going to happen next so I was afraid and I thought they were going to send me I thought that I was being like I didn't know what expelled meant you know, they just they took me into the room and they put a big stamp in my passport that said expelled. And I'm like, what the fuck? And I like, can I not come back to class, you know, anymore? What's going on? Uh so yeah, that was that was a pretty horrible feeling. Like uh
1: definitely terrified. What was the first thing you ate when you came back to the States? Uh first
0: thing I ate was a bag of fucking flaming Hots. flaming hot <laughs> Cheetos. <laughs> yeah, I, I love the stereotype. <laughs> yeah. Hot flamin's flamin hots. If you have any comedian on your podcast, who would it be? Uh Hannibal Burris. I would like to talk to him about that night and ask him if he went to go get pussy or if he just didn't want to talk to us. <laughs> you know. You think uh, he would remember? Uh I do think so, because there's he there he he only did one open mic in Bangkok. I mean, so yeah, he would have to remember it.
1: You <laughs> might you you might be the only other black dude he saw over there, so.
0: Yeah, he shook my hand, though. He ignored everyone else, but he shook my hand because I was black and because I said I was from Chicago, I think. But he was nice. He was nice. Don't get me wrong. Hannibal was super nice. Uh, He did a fucking hilarious set. He did the pickle juice joke, which everyone wanted. And uh, he actually there was a guy looking on his phone and uh, he was like, hey, is there another world class comedian down there or something? That shit cracked (laughs) me the fuck up. (laughs) Um,
1: Have you seen any of the, uh, any of the casts he's, he's done with T Pain? No, I haven't. He's tried to rap a couple of times, like with T Pain. It's hilarious. Yeah, I've, I've seen yeah. his like DJing and his music and stuff, yeah. <laughs> but I've never seen him with T Pain. though. that sounds pretty funny. That's hilarious. What's the What was the one thing besides food in your family that you missed uh, when you were overseas for that long? Black pussy. <laughs>
0: Oh, Mexican pussy. I missed Mexican yeah? pussy. Yeah, the, there's no Mexicans over there.
1: Did you, did you get some of that when you got back?
0: Uh, no, not yet. Honestly, COVID has made it really hard for me to hunt. Also, I'm fat now, so I gotta really work on
1: not <laughs> you being gotta, You gotta get back in on that parkour, man. You got yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they got some good, uh, good spanning buildings out there. You could, yeah, I could just uh, jump it off. <laughs> yeah, I could just jump right <laughs> off. <laughs> Start start off by jumping off.
0: Yeah. Like, yeah, man, I'm fucking, I'm never getting any pussy, dude. Back to my. (laughs) Jump off a building. Right. Let me just go jump off a building.
1: (laughs) Fucking the last parkour. You just, you just like yelling at a girl as she walks by and you just jump off.
0: I get some sympathy, some sympathy pussy. Like she'd be like, oh yeah, he's hurt. She nurses me back to life. And then maybe after my legs regain function, she'll give me some pity pussy. You know, get
1: a Mexican nurse.
0: (laughs) They're the best nurses. <laughs> they are the best
1: nurses, you yeah. gotta say. Steven, we usually ask one last question for our guests. Uh, any words of wisdom for any aspiring comedians?
0: Yeah, uh, so I'd say the best thing to do is to get started. It doesn't matter if you've already started comedy. Get started on the next thing. All The next joke, the next gig, the next, you know, relationship, the next booking, always keep yourself moving because if you run out of steam, it's going to take a lot of time to light the fire again, you know? I feel like when people take breaks in this industry, they risk never starting again. I don't know. I mean, I think breaks are healthy, but this just doesn't it's just not the kind of it's, I don't think comedy is like you, you need to get you need to keep momentum and then take that momentum all the way to the top. I'm nowhere near the top, obviously. So, you know, I can't really say what it looks like to get there. But I've seen I've met so many people from around the world, people from all different countries, comedians from everywhere and at all different levels of their career And I'm just condensing down what they told me. That's just that you need to keep working on it. If you work, if you don't work enough, you're never going to get better. And you have to be humble. Understand that, you know, there's no way you're the best if you're not working that hard. You might feel like you're the best, but there's always somebody better than you. So be humble and understand that there's always room to grow. Like, don't assume that just because you're doing good that you can't get better. Cause I, I didn't, I didn't really understand that. I thought I was the shit when I was hot. I thought I was hot shit when I first started. So it's, it's all about like letting the audience tell you whether or not, you know, you're doing good. If you, if you're never in front of the audience, then you're never going to get the feedback you need to develop.
1: Yeah, no, that's cool. I like that. Be humble. I think it's one of our first be humble. So yeah, definitely awesome. (laughs) I mean, it it, it makes sense. Like if you don't, if if you stay humble, there's always like, there's always more like a, a, a better place to go. Right. Yeah, and pe- and people will fuck with you. Yeah, like people will give you the opportunities. Exactly. exactly. Like I have a Burke Chrysler was talking about that. I was listening to this podcast earlier today and like he was like that was like when his, his father instilled it on him like be humble, like just eat shit sometimes, just mm-hmm. work your ass off for someone else and yeah.
0: Yep, eat shit. Just do what you got to do to get the opportunity. And I don't find it to be disingenuous or taking advantage or anything. If you can work really hard to put yourself in a position where you deserve an opportunity more than somebody else, you earn the opportunity. So if you can just humble yourself and take shitty gigs and do things that might suck in order to get yourself somewhere further, that's the way to go. That's how I did it. And I'm pretty happy
1: with my my position right now. That's why you're on our podcast tonight.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You got to eat shit sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) We enjoyed watching you eat shit tonight, Steve. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) I got a whole mouthful. (laughs) <laughs> See, where, where can listeners find more of you your work your podcast all that kind of stuff you uh you on social media and all that yeah i'm on social media
0: you can find me at steve is black all right and you can find me on youtube at i think it's just youtube.com oh you, you'll put the link so my channel yeah. channel name is steve uh i do vlogs i do all types of content work. Up. Yeah, parkour. No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do another parkour. You should do another video. parkour. I'm gonna do another parkour. <laughs>
1: yeah, Absolutely, parkour man. update.
0: I'm gonna do fat guy parkour.
1: <laughs> it's gonna be excellent. Just you stepping on a step stool. <laughs> Yeah. No, like, like, you, you, you gotta have like a you gotta have like a Big Mac at the end of the, the obstacle course oh man I'm totally gonna run with this idea when you just said
0: uh, just me stepping on a stool that's gonna be a skit I'm making that skit now Batman
1: let's 3. do a shout out for uh, for WWSD podcast absolutely
0: <laughs> I might even put this clip of the podcast in it
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah man oh man we really do appreciate you coming out tonight man it's, it's been such a blast yeah man it's been a it's been a blast absolutely thanks blast. for having me thanks for having me yeah. out. this was extremely fun you. honestly this was yeah. very fun same fun man yeah yeah it was a lot of fun of yeah i'm really glad this worked out I'm, yeah. all, I'm always a big fan of people coming to us to, to come on our podcast so if anyone's listening want to come on Just just email yep <laughs> or we'll yep. make fun of your email depending on who you are yeah <laughs> 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 yeah we we don't do that on air though no no patreon um, uh, available so, like, on so WSD. If, you, <laughs> if you've uh, if you've emailed us and we haven't responded, it's because we've made fun of you and we think you're terrible. So also we have a very large, large backlog of emails, so we have yeah we're, we're we're pre- pretty important, you know, in a, in a humble way. <laughs> yeah, but like that's, that's so crazy to like i kind of just like pack up your shit and go live in Thailand for like four years, especially being from like Chicago. Like yeah. I don't know if you remember that digital nomad thing, but that was like that was like a thing, uh, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, like probably t- Tim Ferriss kind of was was a part of that too. Where like you know, if you could, um, you can like automate everything, and, if, and you go to a place where you can live on like a lot less money, like you're you're able to like kind of live a rich lifestyle, even though you're, you're you might not you might be making you know thirty thousand a year, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's cool, yeah. Because like there's a lot of like jobs you can do 100 percent remote. Like we both work 100 percent right, remote, so we, right. we're definitely. Understand as long as we have stable internet. A lot of my co workers are actually in India too. So, by choice, or this is where they they, they live. That's, I I imagine that's where they live and where they were born. I didn't know if like they just moved to India, like uh, they want to live abroad. I think they're Indian. But yeah, like just just living in Thailand and like just starting comedy, like just arbitrarily, just like, yeah, let's just start doing comedy. And that's that's so cool. Like, just they had the opportunity where you can get on stage as much as he did, like like a few hundred times in a very short time span yeah that was, that was cool like a, a lot of people, a lot of comics we've talked to that have, that have had early success have been able to do that you know like, mm-hmm. like you talked, like aj talked about that like being able to go up a lot or or like writing a lot or just putting in a lot of work and it's it's interesting like being in a place where you, you can have a lot more time on stage too is probably yeah and that's why people do move to certain areas like the the big areas like new york and all because there's so many open mics like we were talking to patrick gallagher and all he was like yeah dude i just Every night I can hit multiple mics. I just drive. Yeah. I go to this place. I go to this place. I go to this place. And I can hit all these mics up. In places like that, I've heard, I've heard you, you don't get as much time on stage, but you can yeah. get up a lot of times. And, and like a place like like here, like a, like if you went into an open mic, you, 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 could, you could get like five minutes, which is pretty that's, – that's a lot for – a mm-hmm. comedy open mic you know especially when you're starting out yeah i think so, uh, patrick said like in new york like he was only getting like like three or four minutes and all he was doing in the full like five so he couldn't even work on a type five uh yeah. but it was, it was cool that like steve and all like he was getting like there's 20 minute sets and all like that's yeah. that's insane it is um, just watching kill tony like every week when the uh, comedians are given a minute and like like sometimes somebody comes up they don't have anything prepared mm-hmm. and it's a long minute so really it's a long time when you don't have anything that's rough. to say yeah. yeah that's really <laughs> so, so I, I like like I, I can't imagine like having the full 20 minutes you know I mean usually you don't start with 20 minutes Seamus yeah I know I know that yeah. I know I my my meanings are being lost it sounds like it's okay thank you all for listening if you would like to support the WWSD podcast check out our patreon at patreon.com slash WWSD underscore podcast make sure you like and subscribe on our Facebook Instagram and Twitter And were you still doing like freelance writing while you're uh, doing the, the comedy cup thing? Yeah. I, I, I just kept doing it. Cause it, you know,
0: I was getting paid American money for that. Yeah. So yeah. There was a point where I was making like four thousand, five thousand dollars a month and I'm just getting fucked up. I'm <laughs> sucking on nitrous balloons. I'm doing <laughs> cocaine. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, it's crazy. It's funny that I never got to a point where I went on a hooker binge. Cause I remember telling myself when I first went to Thailand, I was like, you know, I want to figure out how to be someone that can get pussy without money. (laughs) So I made that my goal first. I mean, I obviously slipped a couple of times. I was like, I'm going to fucking, you know, I'm going to fuck a couple of whores, but.